Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Barzi Jagdish, and Ryan Huang with you. Time now for Why It Matters. And it matters because we're asking the question, what is the one thing that you cannot live without? Mm, I am looking at it even as I'm speaking with you. My smartphone, it is plastered to my hand. I take it mm. everywhere with me, right? I think a lot of life, people huh? can, can relate, right, to all this. Yeah. You can't even go to a shopping centre without your smartphone now, if not how to check it. Yeah, so even if you want to separate yourself from it, cannot. It's just not mm. possible. You're right. So that means if this device is so important to the human race, what does it mean for security? Can you protect it against hackers? Well, the Cybersecurity Agency of Singapore, CSA, has recently announced a new mobile tool that's going to protect Singaporeans' smartphones in that sense. Mm. I'm really looking forward to this because I have to say, it is very, very obvious that people don't think about these things, or a lot of people don't. Uh, some people do a perfunctory, I'll just install this antivirus thing in my phone and see how it goes. But very few people I know anyway update it regularly and are deliberate about installing something to protect uh, their own phone. This, mm. of course, also comes amid the rise in mobile device threats in general. Uh, you would have seen or noticed the recent breach at My Republic, as well as the revelation that, in fact, many of our smartphones have built-in censorship capabilities. On the line with us this morning is David Ng, Country Manager of Singapore for Trend Micro. David, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm very good. Thank you for having me this morning. I'm very excited about this conversation. I want to start off by asking you, you know, I mean, based on what you see so far, what is the one piece of data that people are afraid will be compromised on the smartphone? I'm guessing browser search history, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, that is one that a lot of us are very smart to use, the incognito mode or the prime mode too, right? <laughs> well, Yeah, I, I, think, I often do that actually, but is it really I, foolproof? It's good, yeah. Mm. It, it is, I mean, it is supposed to be what we trust, the iOS as well as the Android, that is what they designed to be, right? But if you ask me one of the things that a lot of us are very afraid is our messages, Right, and as well as all the pictures and videos that we take in our smartphones. Yeah, I think that sounds very conceivable. I can completely relate to that. But you see, there's so much data in there and I think a lot of people are also not aware that all of this is being really shared without our knowledge in many instances. Can you like take us through the magnitude of the problem, the nature of the problem here? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it has got to blame on us because for the lack of knowledge, we just accept everything that pops up to us. So I think fundamentally, we can no longer prevent our data from being sent or tracked, especially in this COVID world, right, where things have become increasingly digitalized. So the question is no longer if we can get our data, but the implication when our data is exposed. Now, I'll give you an example. In January 2020, Unimax, they supply a low-cost mobile devices. They were found to be delivering handsets that came with a pre-installed malware designed to spy on users. And the worst thing is that it is not even possible to remove the malware even with a hard reset. So don't talk about the mobile uh, security apps, right? So, so this kind of attack can be classified what we call the supply, supply chain attack. Mm. It is a technique in which the adversary, they slip a malicious code or a malicious component into a trusted piece of 
software and the hardware. But really beyond smartphone manufacturers, we know that governments were also found to be spying. Like in the middle of this year, there was a, a military-grade spyware called the Pegasus. They were used by the government to spy on terrorists and criminals. But we'll never know who else are on that list, right? But what we know is are on the terrorists, or they claim to be the terrorists and the criminals. Mm. And we've got so many else, the commercial apps, that are especially the free ones that collect and, and sends your data in the name of analytics and improvements of the software. So there is really no such thing as free apps, right? So they monetize your data through different ways to make money like the targeted ads. Just to sum it up, a study predicts that three out of four apps, which is 75% of the apps installed on the Android devices, are tracking your location, your device usage and your behavior without your knowledge. David, you remember last year when Trace Together came out, there was a whole debate on how the police could use it to solve criminal cases. I'll just put it very, very lightly there. But there was some rebuttal from regular people saying, yeah, but you know, you've got a, you've got a smartphone. There are many ways to, to trace things from there. What does that say in terms of the awareness? Okay, people are aware, but are people doing enough to protect themselves from cyber attacks? Is there any survey done or anything like that? Now, in my opinion, okay, so first and foremost, it depends who owns your data, right? At one hand, we have to trust somebody, even though that we're living in a world that we trust no one or there is mm. this principle called the zero trust strategy, right? But at some point, we have to trust. So I think mm. the Singapore government is one that holds very high integrity. So when Trace Together came out, it is really to help us in our daily life. So we have to trust them at, at one point, right? So this is mm-hmm. one. Secondly, yes. you're talking about the usage of mobile security at the consumer level. It is not so profi- proliferate, for example, like the PC antivirus. Now, I, I've got to say that a lot of this has got to do with the overall user experience that the okay. consumer is having with the mobile devices. While unlike the PC antivirus where you install and it just works, right? The mobile mm. antivirus is different. And this has got to do with the, the design of the OS architecture. Mm. Like, for example, the Apple, they prevents the root access to their operating system. So, which means like cybersecurity vendors like Trend Micro, we have a limitation to the permission they are allowed to run on their platform. So, which means that the overall user experience, it is not as fluid comparison to PC. Now, versus the Android, which is a lot more open, so cybersecurity vendors like us, we can have a greater access to the file system, which in turn will be able to scan against malware, phishing website. Uh, while that is good for vendors like us, the same access can be used by the bad cyber criminals for bad intent, mm. right? So which explains why there are way, way more malware in the Android compared with the iOS. Yeah, I think that's been noticed by a lot of iPhone users here, yeah, that it's more secure. But clearly, I mean, everything you've said or many of the things you've said indicate that the cyber criminals are always one step ahead, even ahead of companies like yours that provide these solutions and, of course, ahead of users like me and you, right? Um, so what really is the way ahead here? I mean, you talked about user experience being an issue and maybe that can be resolved, but then what else? Yeah, exactly. So in a way, the police, the cyber vendors, they are always trying to level up our game to understand the models operandi. But there will always be crimes on the street and hence there will always be crime in the digital world as well because we're trying to understand what are the new tactics and techniques that they employ. So to move on, I think the whole strategy is assume that your personal devices 
will be breached one day. All right? Mm. It will be breached one day. So if you have that kind of a mindset, you will be wary about the things that you actually put into your mobile phones. That includes all the messages. That includes all, do you put in your password? A lot of us, we actually still write the password into our notepad in our phone, right? So we will be very concerned with doing that, right? And especially the pictures and the videos that we take as well, we have got to assume that one day it will be leaked out and it will be somewhere in the cyber world. And if we have that kind of a mindset, then with the assumed breach mindset, this really helps us to reconsider like what we, we will do with our mobile devices. Okay. David, got a curious question for you, and, and this might be an old-fashioned mindset. In light of everything that you've just said, do you think it's better we go back to how if you work for a business, you have one phone for personal and one phone for business use? I, I don't like that. I personally like convenience <laughs> a lot more as well. I don't like to be lugging on to mobile devices. But yes, for safety and security, it is always better. And that kind of depends on the business, how they view that as well. But I know that a lot of banks here in Singapore, they will issue their own mobile devices to their own staff because of what they saw inside there, it is completely different compared to other kind of industry. Mm, for sure. Yeah. But the thing is also, because more and more businesses have gotten on the digitalization bandwagon and transformation bandwagon, I believe they are at greater risk now. So how do you think these threats can be neutralized at that level, at the business level? And of course, the individual employees will be a big part of this as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, I think Singapore, we, we are really mature in the whole cybersecurity mindset. So right now, a lot of the application, new applications, security is no longer an afterthought. So security, it is by design, right? When it is by design, meaning that the security team in the corporate is involved in the project from the very day zero when it is being conceptualized, right? And so this is one of them. Obviously, the continual investment into different tools embark on the new strategy, for example, like the assumed breach strategy, which is exactly what the Singapore government is embarking on as well. Continue to invest into the protection, detection and the response. And just to be really in line. And the second part really is the user's is always the weakest link, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there has got to be a continuous cybersecurity awareness with the staff. And I think that with, with that in mind, the users will need to understand and start taking up the accountability that security, it is not the IT problem, it is not the management problem, but it is my own problem as well. Because whatever that I click, whatever that I install, actually has a repercussion to a bigger magnitude of my business. So if they actually have that accountability in them, they will take up the ownership, right? Feeling that the business is part of me and I should be wary, I should be concerned, I should not trust every single link that comes in through my email or comes into my WhatsApp because that can actually be turned to use against my company in the future. David, any thoughts on uh, CSA's new mobile tool for Singaporeans to secure on their smartphones? Uh, do you see any gaps in it or perhaps more collaboration could be done with regard to this tool? Well, it is fantastic initiative, right? Rarely I've heard that cybersecurity is considered and to be implemented at the country level. Well, I think Singapore mm. is really unique and kudos to CSA, right, for having such a vision for the whole citizen and the whole country. Obviously, we work very closely with CSA as well. I mean, it is a whole industry partnership that we're working on. We supply a lot of threat intel uh, to the government across the world, like, for example, the FBI, the Interpol, and so on and so forth as well. Yeah, but seriously, I think security, it has got to be done from 
the national level, to the telco level, to the company and to the user. So that is what we really call as the multi-layered security, right? It's no longer just at the user. In terms of features, though, what exactly would this tool need in order to be as foolproof as possible, as secure as possible, in order to stay ahead of those cyber criminals that we've been discussing? Yeah, I think uh, it is really a multi-prong of a technology, right? I think a lot of that has got to do with security analytics, the machine learning to always stay uh, one step ahead of the curve by the cyber criminal. I think it's also about the threat intelligence that we, we know the collaboration amongst the different countries pulling in together. I think it is trying to close off as many holes as possible. For example, like those vulnerabilities that inflict into our mobile devices and PCs, right? And I would like to quote this from my friend. He says that it is not the number of windows that you close in, in your house that matters, but the, the, the ones that are left open, right? Because just one single window that is left open, it presents uh, opportunity by the cyber criminal to get into us. And as they say, the data is the new oil. So the more information that they have on us, the easier it is that they can launch a personal targeted attack on us. So I give you an example because in the light of the whole crypto, the crypto mania right now, right? So in July 2020, just last year, a, a company called Ledger, which they own a very, very popular physical wallet for, uh, for cryptocurrency, it was actually compromised and it was released publicly in an online forum. So what happens is that the cyber criminal use the stolen data for online phishing and extortion of the targeted users and for stealing the user's money through a physical attack. So the way they did it is by supplying the users with a counterfeited ledger wallet, which when it is connected to a computer, it will ask the user for security keys inside the computer with the malware and take back the stolen information back to the attacker. So essentially, the more data that they have on us, the more targeted their campaign will be against us and the more likelihood that we will fall prey to their attack. So it is really becoming more and more personal. It's no longer just a big bang kind of a malware like what we have seen in the 80s or in the 90s. Mm. Nonetheless, it's always a challenge, right, to convince people that it's more about attitude than about the tools that you use. Uh, that's exactly. lifelong, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> David Ng, Country Manager for Singapore at Trend Micro, on the line with us. David, really appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe. Thank you. Same to you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.